When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why, right? I think it's like, I wanted to see how far I could push myself. I wanted to see what I could do. And I think sometimes you, you question like yourself and you get down on yourself and you're, I, I wanted to know what I was capable of. Women's running, running, running. Running stories. Hi, my name is Anita Cardinal, and I am from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I um, I'm actually, I'm First Nations, so I'm from Treaty Eight Territory, which is in northern Alberta, and uh, from a, my nation is called Woodland Cree First Nations. And yeah, I'm an ultra runner. I'm a lawyer and founder of Indigenous Runner here in the province and a race director so um yeah running is a huge passion of mine and it's also kind of uh been a way for me to also give back to my community and support my community and my family is involved my entire family actually gets involved in it so it's pretty exciting yes this episode features anita cardinal sharing her running story And she's going to focus on how she became so passionate about this sport, especially trail running and racing, and how this has led her to both build community and to be empowered by the community in return in her own challenges on the trails. But before we hear more from Anita, I want to welcome you to Women's Running Stories, the podcast where Women share stories about their running experiences. I am Sheree Louise Turner. I am your host and producer, and this podcast is a proud member of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts. And now, yes, let's get to Anita's story. Like she mentioned up top, Anita is a First Nations woman living in Northwestern Canada in the beautiful city of Edmonton. In her story, Anita gets into why running has been a powerful force in her life from a very early age and how she has developed into becoming a race director and community builder. And she has a specific focus on empowering and honoring others in the Indigenous community. And it is from this great base of empowerment and support and experience and resilience that Anita has been able to tackle her most challenging goal to date, and that was the 2023 100K race at the Havelina 100, which takes place in Arizona every October. It's always right around Halloween, and it is a wildly popular event. And Anita ran that event as a member of the Native Women Running Team. In 2023, Anita's race was both an incredible success and it was a great redemption. Anita went through some ups and downs on her way to ultimately reaching the finish line, and you're going to hear 
all about it. Also, I suggest grabbing a few tissues. <laughs> I wanted to mention, too, if you aren't familiar with Native women running, please have a listen to the WRS episode featuring Verna Volker, who is an incredible force in the running world as well, and she is the founder of Native Women Running. Of course, I will link to that episode along with a lot of other resources in the show notes. All right. Now let's hear from Anita Cardinal telling her running story, starting from the beginning. Here is Anita. So my father uh, was an amazing runner when he was younger. So he kind of passed that love of running for me. But that was back before, you know, ultra running was a thing. And he would talk about... Actually, I remember when I was younger, my mother had this cutout of my dad in the paper, the local paper, and and I still have it actually. And uh, I saw that, and I was I've always been so like proud of him, impressed by by his running. And uh, it was when they had just actually first met, and he would run to the next town to go and visit her because he didn't have a car, and it was like a marathon distance away. And my mom said that he would just like call her up and tell her, okay, I'm coming over to see you. And like a couple hours later, like three hours later, he would show up and he would be there because he ran the entire way to go see her. And I always just thought that was like the most romantic, my father's not a romantic guy. So I was like, <laughs> he's a, he's an acts of service kind of a, kind of a fellow rather than being saying, I love you. It's like how he shows it. So I always thought that was like super cool. And then she had a, a um, she had cut out this uh, clipping of him in the, in the local paper. And my dad is standing there in jeans, like a t-shirt and his moccasins on. And the clip talks about like, his name is Tom Cardinal, how Tom Cardinal ran this marathon, with, you know, in looking in great shape in his moccasins. And I just, I've always looked up to that. And like, since I was a kid, my dad would always like play sports with us, right? So we'd always be running, we'd always be outside. Uh, and so it was just like second nature. So in school, all through school, I would like, I was in the, you know, always running through all, all track and field and that sort of thing as well, too. So it was always my happy place. And it was always someplace that I could go to when I was, you know, feeling down or needed to work out any, you know, problems or whatever. And so I kind of lost that though, as I like in through my twenties and didn't really do much running. And then I took it back up again in my early thirties and, and it was mostly to just like lose weight. And then I remembered that love that I had for it. So I started entering some races and I think the first 5k was like a night race uh that I had done and I thought that I almost died but <laughs> uh, you know I was like oh yeah I'll run again and I used to be a great runner like wow 5k but that kick-started you know and I'm 47 now so it's then you know oh but yeah 17 years that I've been like started off that way and then started doing like Spartan races and that was really fun. And then I went from a half marathon right to a 50k. So I'm from a smaller community and a small town and then we also lived on the reserve. So, you know, being outside was, you know, a part of who I am and how I you know, balance myself and, and connect and and just ground myself. So when I moved to Edmonton to pursue my law career, thankfully, there are a lot of 
trails systems through the river valley here in Edmonton, where there's, where I live, there's about 150 kilometers of trails in and around the city and along the river valley, because the river goes right through our city. And finding all those trails and finding even like the little single tracks that were like, you look for and they're there and you just head off into them. That made me feel at home. It gave me peace. I felt a connection. I felt safe. And I do a group run of Indigenous runners and we we run a couple times of the week. And we're very fortunate to have a, an incredible runner. He's an elder who runs with us. I, t- I started taking them to the trails that I knew, uh, the single track trails. And he, I said, I feel so safe here. I always feel so safe here, even though I'm by myself and, you know, can sometimes maybe to other people seem a little sketchy, but it's always, I always feel safe. And he said, well, you know why? And I said, why? And, and you know, there was a few of us around. We're all kind of listening to him because we always listen whenever he, t- whenever he talks. And he says, because these trails are trails that our ancestors have, have run on. Um, since time immemorial and uh, this is our ancestors welcoming you back and this is that's why you feel safe because you feel that connection Uh, and that's absolutely true the history of the river valley that was the the trail systems there is where uh, the first nations people did travel uh, along those routes so I mean it was just so profound to like hear that and why I felt so safe and that why that was that connection with my ancestors as well as my dad and and the land. So that was like a kind of a coming home and aha moment as well too. So uh, it was, yeah, I still like get teary eyed thinking about that. I think that's what ultra running appealed to me and trail running is because I could kind of go get lost and then getting lost. I also found, you know, the best part of myself. So uh, I, I really started doing that and I started to, get the courage to enter some more races. Although it was honestly a very kind of a lonely place as well too, because I didn't see a lot of other indigenous people or other people that look like me that were entering these races. It's better now, but back then not so much. So when I started the indigenous running group here in Edmonton, uh, I did it because I knew that there was other runners out there like me who didn't feel confident in other running groups because there's a lack of diversity, unfortunately, and other indigenous runners who, you know, have been running alone or who never entered races. So they didn't have that experience. And I've been really wanting to just help promote and support diversity in running and in the sport and help other people who are shy and feel like they don't belong in it to just give them that courage. And so that's why I kind of started also putting on like some races as well. So, you know, I've been hearing others talk about honor running, about carrying, whether it's someone that you love or it's our ancestors, or for me, it's, you know, it's carrying all those, all those, who went to residential schools and who didn't come home. Um, so there's that connection in that way. And that is very, um, that all, you know, that's, that's what we do. And I think like being able to run for them, carry on for them and to feel close to them and run for those who cannot, that's, that's, I think that tied everything together for me and for all of us that were that around listening to that. And it kind of just, 
made me think back to like why I love running so much and why it has been a very healing and it's and it spends ceremony. We we go into ceremony in that way as an indigenous person, as a First Nations woman. And so it's extremely special in that way. So it's uh, it's also a reason why I started. So on September 30th here in Canada, we have now a recognized national day called uh, the Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And that was first uh, Orange Shirt Day. And Orange Shirt Day was started by a, a woman who when she, she told a story of when she was in residential school, how she had this orange shirt and her name is Phyllis Webstad and uh, how it got taken from her because she wasn't allowed to wear that. And the orange shirt kind of like uh, propelled that, uh, that day into being a national day for truth and reconciliation. And it was to recognize all those who had survived residential schools and uh, also commemorate and remember those who did not. So when the discovery of the uh, unmarked graves here in Canada had happened three years ago, there was a lot of grief in our community. And because running is healing for me, I wanted to share that with other people as well. So we started a race called Orange Shirt Day Run Walk, Every Child Matters, uh, me and another runner. And it has grown in the last three years and it's brought people from all backgrounds, from all nationalities uh, together. And I think this year we had almost 700 people attend. And we also had another one in my hometown in Peace River. And next year we'll be having one in uh, another city as well. So we were just expanding and it, it just the need was there. People wanted to come together. And so I had three distances. It was a 2.15K, um, a kids and elders race, and then a five and a 10K. And we had like community partners come and uh, other indigenous community partners. And it was it was a day, yes, of honoring and remembering, but it was also a day of celebrating one another and also recognizing, you know, that we are resilient and we are a community and we can move forward together in a good way while still always remembering. Through the sport of running, Anita is gathering community to remember and honor those who have survived the abusive atrocities of the residential schools as well as those who did not survive. She understands the power of running to heal and bring people together. And one of the ways she has gained that understanding is through her own running challenges and adventures. In particular, ultra trail events, which started with that first 50K, and 50K translates to 31 miles. And like she mentioned, she entered that event having never run a race longer than the 13.1 miles of a half marathon. So my first 50K, it was Grizzly Ultra and just outside of Canmore in uh, Southern Alberta. And it is, it's a great race. And I, I had, uh, yeah, I think before that I had done like a half, a couple half marathons, trail races. And of course I'd been doing, you know, regular running, but this was my first 50K. And I didn't know quite what to expect. And I was I was headed out. And I think I was 
yeah, <laughs> when you're not prepared for that length, or I mean, you think you are, and it's like in, it's in the Rocky Mountains, you're like on the side of a mountain, you're in these awesome, amazing, beautiful trails, but it's still extremely hard. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I was like, I think I was, there's five lakes to that. And there was like diff- varying different distances. And uh, I was out on my, I think it was like my fourth lake. And I was pretty down emotionally. I was, I wasn't, you know, I was hurting. I was, I was tired. I was just, you get to a place, you know, in, and I, one of the things that I found out about like ultra running, especially when you start getting to those bigger days, you start, you hit those walls and like, how do you get through them if you're like face them for the first time while running and learning how to get pushed past through, through those walls. And you, you get so emotional, you get your, everything is going towards like getting your, keeping your body going and it takes heart. We know that without heart, it's extremely difficult to make it. So when you get down on yourself and you have to work, work through that, I, I always find that running is therapy for sure. But during that particular race, I was in a, not a good place. I wanted to quit. I was very emotional. I remember calling my husband crying and I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, but there's this lady and she comes along and she's wearing a, <laughs> one of those blow up turkey suits. <laughs> And she had the best attitude and she could see my face when she was coming right past me and I had, you know, wiped some tears away. And so she's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not so great. She said, it's okay. She said, just come with me and we'll walk together. And I said, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make cut off. She's like, well, we could, we just got to keep going. And then through that way, it's probably a good like half hour of like just walking with her and she was just talking with me and she could see where I was and she just, she said, I want to tell you a story about my first ultra marathon and how I was down like you and I was, I was going to quit. I, w- I was done. And I had some people come walk with me and they told me, obviously keep going, don't give up no matter what, keep going and, and don't stop unless you're proud of what you've done. And even if that's like timing out or whatever that might be, but don't stop unless you're proud. And I was like, wow, um, wiped my tears away and said, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm not going to give up on myself and no matter what. And, and even if that means that I don't make it this year, I come back next year, then I will. So I kept going, even though I knew I was going to time out. And I actually did. It was like 20 minutes before the cutoff for the last like six kilometers. And I couldn't make the last six kilometers, which was heartbreaking. But I remembered that like every run that I do, every single run that I do, and even when I talk to my children and all of the things, I'm like, don't stop unless I'm proud. And I have sometimes not. I've stopped when I and I haven't been proud of my performance, but I go back. And that's what I did. So I didn't make it that year, but I went back the next year and I did it. And all the while remembering those, those wise words, you know, don't stop unless you're proud. So that has been, you know, an inspiration and motivation. And uh, yeah, so that, that was that first experience. And uh, it just kind of got bigger from there and longer. (laughs) After that experience, I started to see how, I was always a better person after my run. It was like therapy for a whole year and like eight hours. And 
I saw the best of myself. I saw the worst of myself. And somebody, uh, somebody asked me to not too long ago, like what helped him get through law school? Because I was also doing a lot of things at that time. And I said, it was running. It was that mental toughness uh, that got me through it. And I said, that's what got me because I knew that I could trust future me, <laughs> that I could trust myself to, you know, to show up. And nothing else has ever had that profound impact on me in helping with me with my own confidence than running and knowing that I could do that, that it was me who did that. And, and I started meeting my best friends, too, like the best, like still my best friends to this day through running and through doing like ultra marathon relays and you know, relying on other people, running with other people, which I never did before, and started to like see more of a community, which I never had before. And then Native Women Running reached out to me through on Instagram and Verna Volker, who's the founder of Native Women Running, introduced me to a community atmosphere that I had never experienced before. Uh, she had asked if I would come. She started noticing things me on Instagram about like the races, you know, that I had been doing, and and also the race directing and and all the advocacy work that I do as well. And asked if I would come run the hundred kilometer at Havelina one hundred, um, uh, two thousand and twenty two. Yeah, so Havelina in two thousand twenty two, and I happily said yes. So that was so excited. I had never never traveled for a race that far before. So I'd always been like in Canada. So I was really excited to also run in Arizona with other Indigenous people. And obviously, that was I never actually I never had any intentions of doing a hundred kilometer ever. <laughs> I think uh, my longest distance was like 70, 72 kilometers. I had, that was when I had attempted an 80K and said, well, you know what, maybe maybe that's not for me. Maybe I'll stick to 50s. <laughs> but I I didn't intend to, to do a 100 kilometer. But when she asked and I had researched the race and I was like, how exciting. I have to do this. This is an opportunity. I can't say no to this experience because... I don't want to say no to to awesome running experiences. And so, yeah, so I, I went up and unfortunately, I wasn't prepared for the heat. So there's three loops. Um, so the first is the longest one because they add on an extra like a side loop to make up the 100 kilometers. So that one's I think it's like close to 37 kilometers. And then the other two loops are 31 and a half. So that first one is the longest and the hottest. I had uh, come off of that first loop and the heat was raging, went back out. I got out on the second loop. Uh, I was pretty wrecked from the first one, <laughs> the, the heat, and uh, did a, a rookie mistake, which was wear shoes that I'd only done like maybe 10, 20 kilometers in. <laughs> oh, yeah, so feet were not so great. And then every aid station iced myself as like, I even had like little Ziploc bags full of ice and I was putting like ice chips in my, like my hair and my bun and everything to just try to stay cool. And then didn't realize that the sun would go down so fast and it would be so cold. And I, oh, I know better because I do mountain races, right? Like uh, we do relays that Canadian death race we, I do every year with friends. Uh, and we know you do not go out there unprepared, but 
I, yeah, so another mistake. So I was cold, I was wet, and got to uh, Jackass Junction, which is sort of the halfway point uh, on the second loop. And uh, I had to go in the medical tent and I couldn't, I couldn't warm up. And, and then I gave up. I just, everything, everything just came, you know, I just was so beaten down that I didn't think that I could do it. So I, I threw the towel in. Well, I actually couldn't make it on because I was just keep going on because it was too cold. But they brought me back to the, to the headquarters and, you know, everybody was just so amazing and so sweet. And that was, it was so great to know that the, there was that community there supporting me no matter what. I also, Havelina, I had to give them a shout out because they provide spaces of honor for diverse running groups. And Native women running, they had their tent right up at the front of the line, right beside the, the start finish, very close beside it. And then there were other running groups too that you know represented diversity as well too, right beside us as well. So they gave them places of honor and they gave them a safe space. And that was so beautiful to see that. And I was like, unbelievably touched by that and then to have the native women running uh as well there with like other runners and support like everybody was ready and ready to 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 crew us and 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 be there and they were so upbeat and they're so amazing i never experienced that ever before so i was just so blown away by that (laughs) i still am and so uh that support meant everything and it has helped me to also build community everywhere, all wherever I can as well too, and support other Indigenous runners who never had experienced that before. Um, so I'm so grateful. So I know that I wanted to come back the year after, and I was like so dead set on getting that done, no matter what. So I reached out to Vern. I was like, if it's going to happen again this year, would you would you consider me letting me also run it again and you know have that redemption? And she said, absolutely. So yeah, went back and uh, my oldest son went with me. And because of that race, he had never run before. So he started running because of Havelina and watching me go through that. So he wanted to come and he said he would pace me for my last loop. So he's been running to just like be there for me so that he could pace me for my last loop. And I also told him, I was like, so when I'm out there, I have a game plan. This is how long I want to take. And, oh, and by the way, also before that race, I was uh, I was training and I was running with my running group and uh, had a third grade level sprain on my, on my left foot in middle of June or July. And... That was, I, I had, I was like off, I think I couldn't even put any weight on it for like a couple of weeks. And then I was like no running on it, nothing for almost eight weeks. So I was like, so worried that I wouldn't be able, this is my second chance to do it. And I was so worried I wouldn't be able to do it. So I was like, what else could I do to like uh, train without, would I even be able to run it? So I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to physio. I was all about everything, doing everything I could possibly can. I stayed off my foot. I went swimming. I was doing all the things I could do. So I did put any impact on it. And I was even doing like these boxing workouts and all this, anything that I could do to keep my cardio up. But I was so worried about my feet. Could I make it? So I told myself I'm going to do each, after each loop, I was going to, I was going to rest it. And and my physiotherapist said, just take time in between each loop. You have the time. You have 29 hours. If you need to take them all, take them all. And so 
I knew I wanted to stay at the back of the pack. So I was like, you know, running my own race. I knew what I was doing. And so I was started walking at the first loop and I, and there's somebody that I, that we follow each other on Instagram and uh, I was walking past and she looks at me and she's like, Oh my God, Anita. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so like we, we spent like the whole like first loop together, just talking and like we stayed a really good pace with one another. Uh, and, and so that was really cool. I usually don't, I don't, I usually don't run beside people or like talk like that, but that was like, it was very, um, oh, just comforting to know that there was somebody there like suffering alongside me and, <laughs> and, and then we kind of separated when we got back to like to our last loop or sorry, the second loop. And she went out before me cause I had to wait longer uh, because of my foot. So after each loop, I was resting my foot. I was like elevating it. I was icing it and it ended up working out really well. So I, I think I spent like two and a half hours, the first loop in, at the headquarters of Native Women Running. Although I came off that first loop, but I felt pretty good. So I'm, I didn't stay as long as I, I was had planned to. And then also the Native Women Running crew was there again. And so it was like meeting old friends, even though we had only met once and then we all follow each other on social media. So it definitely felt like I was like, with like old friends so it was that was also exciting to to be back in that environment to be back in this uh room full of very inspiring people who are all amazing runners in their own right and being supported by them and uh so got back in there i was, I was doing okay and i was like okay so i went back out again and so on the second loop that i went on and, and uh, i think it was like four i went out at 4 p.m and then it gets dark just before six but that one was like a long until you get to the halfway or past the halfway point, there's a jackass junction, they call it. And that's kind of a, 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 it's actually a really cool vibe. There's a whole party scene there and everything and <laughs> good food and good music and all of that. But by the time I got on to, on to that, I was pretty down emotionally. I was feeling you get to those walls, right? You get to those emotional walls and to those places, those dark places that you go to. I used to be scared to get, go to them, but I'm glad that I do now too, because I, I work out so many problems when I'm out there running. And, and I think that's what keeps me going back, honestly, is I, I know that I'm going to go and face my fears and any doubts that I have within myself. And I just you know, learn to love myself even more and learn to give myself more grace. And, you, and we all go through to those dark places. Those are emotional places. And I, I knew I was going to get to there. And I also know that I can get past that. And I know that it's going to come and it's also going to go. It was, it's, it's not going to last forever. Though that feeling's not going to last forever. But you know what? Finishing is going to last forever. <laughs> and so uh, I knew that. And I also had a plan in my mind. I was like, if I can do this, I knew I didn't give myself any chance not to make it. I was actually sick too the two days before, like fever, chills, everything. Like that, when we went to pick up the race package the night before, I, you know, when you're sick and you, like you have the flu and you're, you're dizzy and, and you, that's how I felt. Because um, we had traveled, you know, flown in from Edmonton like a couple of days before and I was, I was sick and my son was like, so how are you, how are you doing and how are you? think you're gonna make it I'm like I don't know I said but guess what I don't care 
because I'm going to go sweat it out out there. I don't care. I'm doing it. I don't care if I'm going to have the flu. I don't care if I'm sick. I'm doing it. And that I just had it in my head. There was no way I wasn't good. Nothing was going to stop me from going out there. Not a flu, not my, my, <laughs> not my ankle, uh, nothing. And I was like, I don't care. Even if I time out, I don't care. I'm going to do it. Uh, and so I didn't give myself, I didn't allow myself to quit, not even from the very beginning. So I was out there and I actually did sweat out the, the, the flu. I must have because I felt fine afterwards. And so, yeah, so I get to Jackass Junction and I'm down. I'm, re- I'm, I'm crying because I always get to that point where I cry and I miss my family and I'm wondering why the heck I'm doing this and this is terrible and why would I do this to myself and all these things. It's dark outside. It's a little scary. And then I get it to the aid station and get some food and, and I look around and then I see my friend and, uh, and she is sitting in a chair and she looks as down as, as, as I was feeling too. And, um, and I was so glad to see her because it made me feel so happy to be able to see her. And um, I went up behind her and I just put my arms around her and I hugged her. And and she looked up and she was like, oh, thank, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you. I needed this hug so much because I was not in a good place. And I was like, oh, me too. And I'm, that that just changed my run right there just to have that like connection that human connection with somebody who else was like in that pain cave right and you're a hug a quick hug and she was like okay so she got herself ready and I had uh, spent some more time there so she went ahead and and uh, I didn't see her till the end of the race but just having that that moment where like oh thank god there's somebody here you know just get a little bit of a a hug and and a motivation we didn't even have to say too much it's just be like somebody else understands and you know I got this you got this um and uh, yeah so I got off off the second loop and went and had there was a little tent uh that a friend had brought by so I had something to eat and I said I just what kept me going was I knew that I would have a couple hours in between each loop and I was just like you know what I get to rest I get to have, I get to rest. I get to have a, a Coca Cola because, like, I need those when I run, and uh, I get to lay down. I get to like massage my legs, and I get to just rest. That's what kept me going. Each loop is like, oh, thank God, I get to rest. I get to rest. Uh, I get to rest. So, uh, and I knew that I could have a little nap. So I was like, I was looking forward to that little nap. Uh, unfortunately, it's also like party central at headquarters. So uh, no napping for me. <laughs> Some people having a good time uh, in the tent. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, so but anyways, I got to lay down, I got to rest. And then my son, he was all ready to go. And he was like, he knew he had to come at a certain time. I was like, I can't leave any later than 2am uh, for the last loop. And so we had a schedule and he, he was there. He, he knocked our, our, he was outside my tent and he was like, okay, it's time to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. So changed my clothes. And I had told him beforehand, I was like, I might try to convince you that I want to quit. I might, who knows what I'll do. I might try to give up on myself, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of scenarios that could happen, but you can't let me no matter what. You can't let me quit. You can't let me give up on myself because I've never done this distance before. I, I know how it feels going to a certain thing, but going past that second loop, I don't know how I'm going to be. I don't know what kind of state I'm going to be in, but I need you to not let me give up. 
And if that means you, I need some tough love, go for it. You give me tough love, whatever. And, <laughs> and he, he's a, he's a strong silent type. He is. So he's, uh, uh, my oldest son, he's 29. And, uh, he said, yeah, okay. All right. And he didn't say anything after that. So when he's outside of the tent, he's like, he could hear me sighing inside kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, just give me, I was taking a long time. He's like, we don't have to go if you don't want to go. I don't, I don't, I, I could go back to sleep, have a beer, like whatever. And I'm like, and he knew that he would start pissing me off by saying things like that. And I was like, I'm getting up, just calm down. We're going to go. Okay. I'm, I'm getting ready. And so the, his impatience really frustrated me. So I was like, fine, whatever. I got out there. And we get out there and we, and it's night. Oh, I'm definitely slow going at this point. He wants to, he wants to run and I want to like do some fast walking. <laughs> and we did a lot of fast walking, but uh, we, you know, he also made me do some, some slow running. And I think it was like at 85K, I... I just got so tired and I just stopped in my tracks. My lamp was kind of like going out and I was just like, I'm just so tired. And I said to him, like, I just started to get defeated. And I just said to him, I'm so tired. And I had tears in my eyes and I know, I know it was in my throat as well too. And he said to me, what do you want to quit? <laughs> and I'm like, of course I don't want to quit. And he's like, well, quit, just sit down and quit. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're supposed to say something inspirational to me. And he, <laughs> he's like, well, we have another 16 kilometers ago. So, or something like that. He's like, so, you know, it, we can, it, this can take a really long time or it could be done faster. Like, what do you want to do? And that, that was like, and he knows me so well. So like the inspirational quotes and stuff, I don't think that would have worked because I'd have just started crying. Um, and it was the tough love. It was just like, come on, we got to get this done. You said you want to do this. Let's get this done. Let's go. And uh, so he, yeah, he knew what to, he knew what to do. He knew to say it to, to keep me going and, and not feel pity for myself. And I, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to feel pity. I was trying to get some pity from him. I was trying to, you know, all of that. And he was like, nope, you're not going to do this. You need to tap into that to that strength and, and don't don't feel sorry for yourself. No feeling sorry for yourself right now. You just need to go and and do this because this is what you came here to do. And you you made this promise to yourself, and I'm here for you, but I'm not going to let you feel sorry for yourself. And be, and we I, after we got through that, uh, we we ran almost the entire way. And yeah, I picked myself up and. We kept going and the sun started to come up and, and then so did the heat. So that wasn't fun. Uh, and then I remember as we got, I think it was like a kilometer. I think I started crying a kilometer before this finish line. And then I could, then I finally could hear everybody and see everybody. And it was super hot too. So I was like also miserable, but then I realized, uh, I think, I also almost didn't allow myself to believe that it was like a really a hundred kilometers that I did a hundred kilometers. I really did this. I came back and I did this because I knew if I like started to really think about it. Cause I just, the way I got myself through it is like each loop, each aid station, you know, I was just going to make it to this aid station through this loop. And that's just how I got through. I use, that's the only way I could get through it. It's just, that's how I compartmentalized it in my mind. I was like, 
I need to just get to each aid station, get through each loop. And that's, and then, so when I started to really realize that there was no way that I couldn't finish a hundred kilometers, I just, the tears couldn't stop. They, and I just, for that last, like, you know, for that last kilometer, all I did was just the tears just streamed down until I, until I made it. And then everybody there from Native Women Running were just cheering me on. And then my friend who had, uh, who had finished a couple hours before me and she was there and to going through the kind of my little victory loop, the last little loop that you go through and everybody was just all there waiting for me. They were all waiting for me. And, and then my son said that he let me go that last little bit by myself and he wanted to be at the finish line. So being able to get through that, through the finish line and cry some more and then, and then hug him. And so, yeah. Oh my God. I'm, <laughs> I'm crying again. She did it. Anita completed the Havelina 100K event with the support of community and family and with her own determination and grit. She had her comeback race completing the furthest distance she'd ever run. Her determination is so incredible. I mean, after being sick and injured, it was it's amazing. She just nothing was going to stop her. And her son The story about him pacing her, it always gets me a bit choked up. I mean, having to motivate your parent and like as a son motivating his mom, like I can't even imagine, but just knowing what to say in those deep, dark moments and the fact that they ran to the finish line together after she had had a long, hard day and the fact that they ran those last kilometers, it's really, it's just beautiful. So big respect to Anita's son and just the fact that he trained to do this with her. I mean, the whole situation just, oh, it's just beautiful. And congratulations, Anita. I mean, what resilience and determination and oh, wow, way to get to that finish line. And also thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your running story. And of course, a big shout out to Native Women Running and Verna Volker and her whole team. The support that they provide is just absolutely amazing. And also, like Anita said, big shout out to Havelina 100 for honoring underrepresented runners in the trail running community and giving them a place of honor at the start line. These acts are being noticed. Now, of course, you can keep up with Anita Cardinal and the powerful work that she is doing through the Orange Shirt Every Child Matters Run and Walk events and through Indigenous Runner Edmonton. Please look to the show notes for all of the pertinent links, and I'll include a link to information about the Havelina 100. Of course, I will also provide ways that you can keep up with Native Women Running and Verna Volker. And like I mentioned up top, I will also include a link to the episode that features Verna's story. And that is going to be a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you listening. I would also love it if you would rate and review the show. These ratings and reviews help highlight women's running stories, and a big goal for me is to grow this show so these stories can reach more people. Because 
Because the power in these stories is that they get heard by people. So I would love to grow the number of people who are listening. Yeah, thank you so much for rating and reviewing. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am the host and producer of Women's Running Stories. And until next Friday, I do wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's Running Stories. Running stories. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.